Over the next six weeks, I want to take some time to talk with you about the vision that we have for this church. Uh, And when I say we, I I think it's a shared vision that uh, is kind of in the DNA of who this church is and who we want to be and what we want to be about. It's a vision that our elders share, that I share, that we've been praying about and, and discussing but I want to talk with you about this vision, and that is that what, what are we going to be? What is it that God has called us to do as a church and as a community? And, and really what that means is that goes all the way down to what does that mean for you and me? Because if the church is going to do anything at all uh, by following God, it's going to take you and me too. Like we're going to have to respond to that. Uh, we're the ones that respond. And so I'm going to try and unpack this a bit over the next month. But let me kind of set your minds at ease, if I may, a little. I, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that we are going to make some drastic changes to the way that we do church, you know, come six months from now or six weeks from now. I mean, we're not going to buy an organ. Uh, I can tell you that. I'm not going to ask the vocal team to put on choir robes. Uh, we're still going to do church on Sundays. And so in many ways, uh, things are things are still kind of going to be the same. But instead, here's what I hope to accomplish uh, throughout the course of this series. My prayer is that by, by the grace and the work of God, my hope is to paint for you a road or a path that we want to follow as a church and follow this road or follow this path intentionally. And it's this road that we will walk down together as individuals but as this church body. And as we walk down to this road together, I want to talk to you about what it is that we believe as a church. Uh, what it is that we value as a church, the types of things that will direct us as a church, and who it is that will guide us down this road. And I can tell you that from the start this morning, that we will follow God. Uh, God will always lead this church. Uh, Jesus Christ is the leader of this church. He is the one that we follow, and we are always seeking to respond to His movement through us uh, to go do some pretty awesome things for His glory that he gets all of the credit. We don't get any of it. He's not willing to share with us his glory, but we will give God the glory. And that's exciting and that's frightening all at the same time because I believe that God is going to lead us down some roads that are going to be crystal clear. And we're going to walk down them with faith and confidence and assurance as a church and it's going to be exciting and we're going to watch God move and we're going to watch him do some great things. But I don't think he's always going to give us that privilege. I do believe there are going to be some times where we're going to walk down some paths as a church that are going to be a little foggy and a little less clear, and he's going to ask us to take great leaps of faith in trusting him. And we won't be able to guarantee the outcome, but we will trust God. Because if we fail in those moments to respond to what it is that God's going to do, we're going to miss seeing some pretty spectacular things by God. Because sometimes it's going to take us taking these great leaps of faith in order to see him do his best. And we're going to be that kind of a church. We're going to follow God and we're going to go where he wants to go. And I believe this in some ways over the next month or so will will be a great series for you and I to better understand what it means to call this church your own. And I, I think that'll help us in many ways because I think it's an exciting time for those of you that have been around here for a while. And, and maybe you go all the way back to the very beginning. And we're going to talk about some things, and we're going to use some language, if you would, over the next weeks that will probably seem somewhat familiar to you, where you say, you know, I remember that. I I remember when we talked about that. How come we never got down that path? Or, or, you know, how come we didn't ever venture out with that a little bit more? And we're going to talk about some of those things. But I think it's also an exciting time for those of you that are new. And I think we've got a lot of people that are new right now, based on what God's been doing, you know, over the last months, over the last couple of years. 
And for you, whether this is your first week or your eighth week, I think it's a great time for you to better understand and know what it is that we're about, who we're going to follow, and what we kind of see as we look down the road into the future. And, and I think you can only pray and ask yourself, you know, God, do I want to do I want to be a part of this church, or do I need to get out of here as soon as I can? So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll trust, you know, for good things there. But, but it's exciting for me personally because I, I think especially for Jenny and I, for our family, you know, this last year has been awesome, you know, and just being coming a part of this community, this church, this Noblesville area, and getting to know all of you, uh, to feel so welcome to be a part of here, this church. I mean, we are more confident today that God called us here to Noblesville, to Genesis Church, than we were, you know, 14 months ago when we were probably out of our minds a little bit with a brand new baby to think about coming here. And we're excited to be here. And I, I discover more and more every day how unqualified I am uh, for this position. And, you know, it kind of sounds silly, but, but I hope that that always kind of remains true, that there's always that bit of unqualification in it so that God can fill in all of those spaces and, you know, it doesn't become a prideful thing in any way. But how exciting for me, I think, to just in my, if I could invite you into my personal world for just a second, to really come into this church and to learn a little bit more about this culture and this DNA and what we value and the type of place that we want to be. And I know that I've had many moments over the last year where I've just kind of had a moment with God where I've said, wow, God, you know, as I look back on my own history and all of the experiences that you've given me and all of the pieces that you've put together, that you've brought me here to this place at this time, not for me, it's for your glory, God, but there's this intersection taking place between my heart and, and what I really see and even this church and where it was already headed, and it's all you. I mean, only God could put all of that together. And so this series, I've just called it Intersections. And, and here's what I think, that we have arrived as a church at at this great intersection of opportunity, and we can only be asking the question, now where do we go from here? What next? Now, I mean, what path, what road will we follow? What is it that God's calling us to do? How will we invest our time and our, our resources and our passions for kingdom work? And, and here's what I believe, that everything about our past, everything about the past with Genesis Church, everything that has ever happened here, the heart of this church, our culture, the volunteers, the staff, you know, people coming in and out, it all adds up to this moment, that God reclaims it all and we are now ready. I mean, we are ready to take it. We are ready to make a big step. We are ready to proclaim and we've been ready for a long time, whether we've been able to realize it or not, that this church is going to make it. And if you haven't gotten to that place yet, please get there and get there as soon as possible that we are going to make it, that God is doing great things. It is His church. It belongs to Him. And, and we're going to now take this intentional step with enthusiasm towards the future, you know, following God and Jesus Christ. And again, some of what the future holds is, is pretty clear and some of it maybe not so clear, but we will follow God. He is the leader. And this is not my vision. It's not even Genesis Church vision. But I pray that it's nothing less than God's vision for this church. So you won't want to miss these next few weeks. I think they're going to be great ones. And I think overall it's going to be a pretty good ride. Our mission statement is a church, and we talk about it often. We print it on stuff as this, helping people find their way back to God. Will you say that with me? Our mission is to help people find their way back to God. Every great organization, every great church has a mission statement. A mission statement is the what of who you are. 
all right? What? You know, what is it that we are called to do as a church? What are we supposed to be doing as a church? And we believe that Genesis Church always has and still even to this day and into the future exists to help people find their way back to God. And we're going to talk more about that statement next week. And we're going to talk specifically about what it means for you and I to own that statement. Because if we're going to make that mission statement, the mission of our church, and if you're going to call Genesis Church your home, then you're going to have to own that statement. There will have to come a point in your life where it breaks your heart to the point that it will, it will challenge you to make certain decisions or to take certain radical steps in your life. You know, but our mission is to help people find their way back to God. But uh, let, let me briefly just kind of tell you why that's at the very heart of our church. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if you go all the way back to the very beginning of creation, if you go back to even to the book of Genesis, ironically enough, you know, you might recall that Adam and Eve were created by God. They were placed in the garden, and they were in this relationship with God, and the Bible says that it was good. It was a great relationship with God. But as the story tells us, Adam and Eve sinned, and sin ruined, it tarred, it marred that relationship with God, and sin altogether, it just simply ruined this relationship with God. There became this separation between Adam and Eve. There became this separation between man and woman and God. And there was this great gap that only could be bridged in one way. And it all changed with Jesus. You know, that God proved his great love for us when he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to the world to die for us, to pave a way, to make a way back into a relationship with God. I mean, we had no way of reclaiming that relationship with God until Jesus Christ came. And that's the good news. The good news is that whoever believes in Jesus will, won't die, that you will be saved, that when you make a decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ, it's a personal decision that you need to make, that because of Jesus, because of his love, because of his grace, and because of his mercy, there is this bridge that is now formed that allows you and God to have a personal relationship with one another. First time in history that that took place after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that may, way was made available to anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. You have to make that personal decision for yourself. It's not an automatic. Just showing up at church or being born into a certain church in no way gives you that great relationship. The Bible teaches that you have to make a personal relationship in your or personal decision in your own life to have this relationship with God. And that's the good news. I mean, that's the good news. That's the gospel. We, we throw those words around, but that's what it is. And you and I have been commanded by Jesus Christ to tell the world about that great news. You know, the book of Matthew, the very end of Matthew, before Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words to his disciples, to his followers, was, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Go tell people about this way, this way back to God that has been made available through Jesus Christ. And again, we'll get into that with a little more depth next week. But I want to take a look at a couple of other things this morning as we begin this series, basically kind of some introductory items. And I wanted to find a starting place for us in this series, something that would kind of permeate the entire series. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. Uh, go to Mark chapter 8. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 34 and look at a couple of verses there. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus is hanging out with a group of people along with his bros, his disciples, his main guys. And uh, here's what he tells them, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, let me read that one more time for you. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, 
he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, if you study the Scripture here, what you find and find historically is that crucifixion was one of the most barbaric, the most brutal, and the most feared forms of execution in the ancient world. Now, Rome controlled most of the known world at this time, and execution by crucifixion was one of the more favorable ways uh, um, uh, by the Roman government uh, of getting rid of criminals. And so here's what they would do to a criminal. They would beat him, and they would beat him senseless, and they would take a cross and they would lay it on the back of a criminal and then stand him up and make him walk step by step through the community, up and down all of the roads and the paths in the community so that everyone would see him. And as the criminal struggled along the way, On the way to his place of death, people would yell at him, people would spit at him, they would do just about anything to humiliate, you know, this particular criminal. And that's what Jesus subjected himself to. I mean, if you remember seeing the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Jesus carried the cross on his beaten body along that path as people mocked him and humiliated him. And it wasn't as if it was just some unfortunate circumstance that had popped up in Jesus' life either. Oh, he gave himself to this. I mean, he knew that this was his purpose. This was his reason for coming. And he subjected himself to this type of, of beating, to this type of life. And if you really cut through this verse and you get into the heart of what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 8, you find that Jesus is asking the same thing of you and me to some extent. Let me just read it again. Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. If anyone would be a follower of mine, if anyone would be a servant, he must deny himself and put your own selfish ambitions aside and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. When Jesus is asking you and me to deny ourselves, to put aside our own selfish ambitions, and to take His cross, which once served as the symbol of death and destruction in the ancient world, and now stands for hope and life and new beginnings and fresh starts, and Jesus is inviting, He's asking you and me to take this cross into our community and into our homes and into our neighborhoods and into our schools and into our play dates you know, and into our dating relationships. I mean, Jesus is inviting you and me to be His followers. Friends, the church, and even this church, is not here to satisfy your Sunday entertainment needs. We are on mission. We have been commanded by God to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. And when we come together on Sundays, we're going to celebrate. And we're going to celebrate that victory, and we're going to celebrate that news, and we're going to tell stories, and we're going to share testimonies, and we're going to celebrate life change when we baptize people. But if you're stuck in that place where Sunday for you is just a part of your routine or part of your entertainment needs, my prayer for you is that God will do such a great work in your life that you'll see that there's so much more to it than that, that we're called to be as servants. Now, I want to show you a picture real quick of what happens when a church gets this. And to do this, I need to show you another text. So if you've got your Bibles, turn over to the book of Acts. Uh, Go to the right, a few books. 
to the book of Acts. It's there in the New Testament. And go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And here we get a picture of the first church that ever came together following Jesus' ascension into heaven. It's a church that started with a handful of people and quickly grew into a church of a couple of thousand. But this church said, we're going to help people find their way back to God. Now, they didn't say it in those exact words, but that was their mission. That's who they were. We're going to be obedient, they said. And when it's uncomfortable, even when it's uncomfortable, we're going to follow God. We're going to ask Him where He wants us to go. We're going to allow God use, to use us. And we're going to go down these paths so we can help people find their way back to God. And so I want to show you how God came alive in these people and in this church. Uh, Acts 2, 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, they... And, and let me just point out that that's like you and me. I mean, this is men and women and children, singles, couples, teens that committed themselves to this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe. I like that. It doesn't mean that just a few of them were filled with awe. Everyone had a sense of awe and expectation in their heart. I mean, they expected that God was going to do great things through them and in them and in their church, that God was going to move, you know, that God can change my life, that God can change my husband's life. They believed confidently and with passion that God was going to change the world and he was going to start it through this church, through that particular church. And he did. We're here today because of the work of that church. And it says, in many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. What did they have in common? They had Jesus in common. That's what we have in common here at Genesis Church. It's Jesus. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your present circumstances. We all have Jesus in common. You know, His work has done the same great work in every single one of our lives. Jesus is our common denominator. Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, this is a loving church. I mean, what we see here is that people sold their goods to make sure that all of the needs of the church were being met, that people were literally throwing things up on Craigslist. You know, if I, anything I can do to get it sold, to give this money away because I don't really need it, that's what they were doing. You know, why did they do it? Because they loved each other. They believed in their mission. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, not just doing services on Sundays. They realized they needed more in their life than just being there on Sundays. But the church became a part of their life. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. You know, kind of like our hope for connection groups. You know, that you'll get together and you'll build relationships with one another and eat nachos and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, get to know each other's kids. They did it with glad and sincere hearts, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then look what God did. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, it's a church helping people find their way back to God in a number of different ways. People coming to know Christ. I'm in a church led by God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the people responding to God's command. They were committed to their church and to one another. And every single one of them said, you know what, God, use me. I mean, God, what is it that you want to do in my life, in this church, to help people come to know God, to find their way back to God? I mean, use me, God. Use us, God. And God used this church to change a community. Can I show you another picture of a church that God's using? How many of you remember that one? 
This is a picture of the uh, Genesis crowd back a few years ago when uh, Genesis was meeting over at the Arbitorium, which is now the Honda dealership over on Connor uh, near Hardee's. How many of you are in that picture that you just know of by looking at it real quick? Maybe you found yourself. It would be fun to kind of go through here and zoom in on some of you and see how you've changed. I think Ben Krause actually has a mullet in that picture somewhere, if you, if you can find him. I haven't been able to point him out yet, but, it, but it's, it's the rumor. But, but what a church right there. And lots of memories in this photo, I'm sure. And maybe some of you see exactly where you are, but I mean, what a story. And what a great history. You know, planted eight years ago by the Davis family and a core of faithful, adventurous, and daring families that risked a lot to be a part of something special. I mean, this founding group embraced a vision. They embraced a calling by God on their lives, and the goal was to plant a church in this community, in this county, even in this city, a church where people would feel comfortable to come, regardless of social status, regardless of past, regardless of present circumstances, regardless of where they were spiritually. People were invited to come and be a part of a community where they could feel loved and welcomed. It was all about helping people find their way back to God. And so then the church grew, you know, from this founding group, even well before this picture. In fact, uh, from the way that I understand it, because I've only been here a year, uh, if I remember the story correctly, Genesis started out at Pebble Brook uh, Village Apartments. Anybody in the room a part of that first group that was meeting at Pebble Brook? Got the Jacksons in the back. Okay, and as they outgrew that space, then the church moved on to uh, Bridgeway Community Church, which is a church based out of Fishers. Still a very good friend of Genesis, been very supportive to us, and uh, our, our church started meeting there at their building. How many of you started attending Genesis during the Bridgeway days? See a few more hands popping up around the room. From there, the church uh, moved on to Grace Community Church. Everybody knows the large church out on 146th Street. Again, Grace has been an incredible friend to Genesis and just helping with resources and uh, advice and wisdom, and just still very supportive of me and of our staff and of our church. How many of you started attending uh, Genesis through Grace? Okay, some more hands. All right, from there then, the church moved on to the Arbitorium, again over here on Connor Street. Uh, it was a banquet hall at the time, and there was even some talk about making that a permanent uh, location. How many of you started attending Genesis during the Arbitorium days? Okay, again, more hands going up around the room. Well, God, God made a change, a shift, and things moved to Cary Ridge. And uh, how many of you remember setting up and tearing down every week at the school and the hands go up real fast and some Uggs around the room and some strained shoulders and some strained backs? Uh, Jeff and Kim Smith came on staff as your lead pastor during that time. Maybe some pictures that will just bring back some memories. There's Angie Parker serving in our cafe. And I don't know who that is. Maybe some of you do. Uh, a baptism taking place. But after a period of time, then Genesis moved here to our present location on Pleasant Street, and Jeff and Kim responded to the call of God on their life to go to Missouri. There's now a church in Missouri in this small town, partly because of the work that God was doing in this church and helping to send them and helping them to go. And here we are at Pleasant, you know, and this is, this is our location. And I'm glad we're here. I hope we're here a really long time. And we know we're going to be here for probably at least another six years. I hope it's another 50. With so many stories, you know, along the way, and, and maybe you came to Genesis 
throughout the course of its history by an invitation from a friend, or maybe it was a postcard, maybe even an ad in the newspaper. Uh, Maybe you saw the flags hanging out in front of the building. I've talked to people who've just said, yeah, I was just driving by, and we just saw the flags, and and so we just came. But so many stories. I mean, what a church. I mean, it's been an exciting adventure. It's been a little crazy at times. The road's been steep. There have been some curves and some bumps. There's been some great downhill time. But you can expect that when God gets involved in stuff. Because really, wherever there's a presence of God working, I believe there's also an ulterior force that's working at the same time. I like Satan likes to work and get involved and to mess with things. But God's been working. And what a great God we serve. What a faithful God we serve. What a message that we get to share. And all along the way, throughout the eight years of this church's history, every life ever given to Christ, it all counts. All accounted for. All written in the book of life. And the Lord is adding to our number daily those who are being saved. And so now we go on to kind of this next chapter. I mean, where do we go from here? And it's exciting and frightening to think about what these next steps look like. And I don't want in any way to discount the days of the past. But I will say this, and I say this with confidence, that I believe that our greatest days as a church are still yet to come. I really believe that we're on the verge of seeing God do this incredible work, not only in our church, but in our community, and most importantly, in your life. That, that, that God is ready to move, that we're ready to follow. And we just need to ask the question, where do we go from here? And so next week, I want to talk about our mission statement. And I want to unpack that a little bit more and what it means for you and me to own that statement. And following that, I want to spend a few weeks talking about three core commitments that we're going to invite everyone in this church to take. That if you call Genesis Church your home, we're going to lay for you what we believe are to be three core commitments, three goals, three challenges for you to want to embrace to say, yes, this is my home. And these will also uh, help for us to, to kind of lay out what it is that we're going to do as a church. You know, I mean, what, what will drive us? What will our programming look like? And I'm excited to talk with you about these strategies, these core commitments, and how they'll also serve as a personal plan for you and me too. So we've got just a couple of minutes left and committed to everybody getting home by kickoff uh, and getting a bite before we get there. But I, here, real briefly, I want to look if we can, just for a moment, kind of down the tunnel of the future for just a second and take a glance of what 25, 50, or 100 years from now could look like. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work really hard to be here for 25 years at least with you, but I can't promise the 50, all right? But uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, But anyway, we have a vision for a church that looks like this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, but a church where everyone feels welcome. We want to be a church where everyone feels welcome. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bright say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Here's what I want you to know. That Jesus is standing here today as the leader of our church before us. He's standing here before us saying, you are welcome here. That you are welcome to be here. It doesn't matter the hurt. It doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what you've gone through. Your past doesn't matter here. You are welcome to be a part of this church. You're welcome here with your doubts. You're welcome here with your questions. You're welcome here with your fears, your poor decisions, you know, your hurt, your addictions. You are welcome. You're welcome to be here with your Colts jerseys, all right, and maybe even a Steelers jersey or two or a Bears jersey along the way. I mean, one of the things, if you haven't figured it out so far, is we don't really have a dress code here, all right? I mean, the dress code kind of is cover up, you know, just make sure you're decently covered up every week, you know, but, you know, I think you figured out by now, just kind of come and be who you are. 
Everyone is welcome. Come as you are. Come with your hurts. Come with your agnosticism. We've even got a room for a few Cubs fans, but not too many. All right? But there's a role for you and me in this. If we're going to be this kind of church, if we're going to look down the tunnel of our future and say we're going to be a church where everyone's welcome, you need to own this. You will have to personally own it. Uh, you need to own, you know, this desire to welcome people into our church. I mean, you need to welcome people who are coming through our doors every week. You need to be active inviting people from the community, your friends, your family, you know, people that don't know Jesus Christ. I mean, can you even think of one person in your life right now that maybe God has put there intentionally and you've never realized it before, but you're realizing it right now? You know, I think God put that person in my life for a reason. And maybe they're only an invitation away from coming to be a part of this community. Or, or maybe they're, they're just a few you know, months of praying away from discovering that their spiritual journey and the work that God wants to do in their life will come right through this church. They're not ready to come yet, but they might be ready a few months from now. But there's another role, kind of an intentional role, that we have to take in welcoming others. We have to, we have to play this role. It, it looks something like this. You know, even something specific as, would you, give up, would you come with the kind of attitude on Sundays that you'd even be willing to give up your parking space? You know, that if you're able, that you embrace this desire to welcome other people, and then when you come on Sunday, your attitude in coming may be, you know, I wonder if someone, a guest, might even feel more welcome if I were to take the simple step of just parking in one of our less convenient spots. So that maybe a single mom that pulls in or a family that pulls in for the first time will find that, hey, there's a place here for me. You know, it's going to take that kind of an attitude, you know, from each of us, you know. Or it might look something like this. Here's another thing. I really need 50 to 75 of you to say, you know what, I'm seeing that the second service is getting a little crowded. We've got a service, an identical service at 9 o'clock. And because I'm able and because I'm willing, I'm going to go there and be a part of that service. Because here's the frightening thing about this. There's a church statistic that says that once your auditorium is 80% full, that a guest will view your church as being full. And that in some situations, that they have found that even in the past, people will walk into your auditorium and say, well, if they're full, then maybe there's not a place here for me. Now, we can look around and we can see some empty seats around us, and maybe we've had some greater attendance weeks than others, but, but we've still got some room with the first service. And would some of you that are able, knowing that we've got the identical children's program at nine, be able to say or be willing to say, you know what, I'll do the nine thing. Let's open up some seats at this more optimal hour, you know, where some of our new people would maybe come so that they can make sure and know that there's a place here for them. It'll help to open up spots for kids too, you know. I'm not saying, hey, you know, you're getting in the way or we need some of you to leave and go to another church. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just saying this is the type of attitude it's going to take from each of us if we're going to truly be that type of a church that welcomes others, you know. We'll be a church that welcomes everyone, you know. We'll welcome people. We'll see God move. We'll bring them in, you know, a church where everyone's welcome. And as we look down into the tunnel of future, we also see a church where everyone is needed. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now, here's what this is saying, that God has given every single one of us. Let me say it again. God has given you, every one of you, a gift or gifts. He has given you passions and resources and talents that his desire is that you will get to know. 
and that you will begin to use these in order to help people find their way back to God. Every single one of us, God has given you a gift. He's given you multiple gifts. And he's given these, these, you, these gifts not so that you can just keep them or obtain them. He wants you to use your gifts. And until everyone serves, until everyone finds a place to serve, then we won't be getting all of our work done as a church. Now, I think it's awesome the amount and the level and the number of people that serve here at Genesis on Sundays and throughout the week. And you have no idea how many people come in and out of this building, you know, to clean the facility and to help in the office and then just all the things that we see on Sundays and all the things that are still yet to come. Even as we begin dreaming and you think about what's it mean for us to get busy outside of this church and helping to serve some of the real needs uh, in our community. And, and when I came to Genesis, you know, one of the things that was shared with me was, hey, you'll be really impressed with the number of people that serve at Genesis. And I am. I am not lying that at all. I think we are above average when it comes to the typical church and the, the level that people are willing to serve to and the number of people that serve. But let's not be satisfied with being above average. I mean, our goal is that everyone finds their place, that everyone understands that they are needed, and that everyone wants to get to work. I mean, we need you. And, and when God looks at Genesis Church, He sees a body. He sees a family, and some of you are heads, and, and some of you are hands, and some of you are feet, and some of you are knees. I mean, we need you. It takes every part. I mean, this is too big for the staff. It, it's too big for our current team of volunteers. Everyone is needed, and it's crazy and awesome to see what God has been doing here at Genesis over the last couple of years. And, and I'm just even say over the last year because that's the longest that I've been here. But God's doing a great work through you. Do you know, did you know that last year at this time we were averaging around 200 people in attendance? And we now have gone above 400 people five times in the last four months. Now that's God. And that's God working through you. And God gets all of the credit and he gets all the glory for that. But I think and I hope that in some way you understand the urgency of what it is that we're called to do. Now, here's this too. We have no goals or no specific goals on how many people, you know, we hope to pack into this building one day. Or that we can pat ourselves on the back one day and say, oh, wow, we're 1,000 or, or we're 2,000. And until we get to that point, well, then nothing else really matters. I can say that to you with all integrity, that there's no desire in that to just see how many people we can get in here. I can pat myself on the back, and you can too. But this is God's church, and he will add to our number daily those who are being saved, and so we will continue to grow. And it's going to take every one of us to do the work, and he's given every single one of us gifts. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're not in the game right now, if you're not finding a place to serve, or you haven't found one, please get in the game. You know, find a place to serve. You know, go back to the info hub after the service and pick up one of our, our cards that describes most of our serve teams and just understand a little bit more about what happens here. Or, or talk to a staff member and just say, hey, I don't know where to get plugged in. Can you give me a hand? Or talk to one of our volunteers. I mean, we need every single one of you, you know, to get in the game. You know, write down on your connection card, I want to serve, I have no idea where to, and we'll help you figure that out. I mean, it's not a guilt trip. You know, I don't want you to sign up out of guilt, but I'm offering you an opportunity to be obedient to what I know that God has commanded you to do. And if you don't have time to serve, then you're probably too busy, and there are probably some other areas in your life that are suffering too. I say that out of love and grace, but we need everyone, and we're going to be a church where everyone is needed. The final thing is this, and then I'll finish up. A church, as we look down into the future, a church where everyone is changed. 
This is what we're about. Verse 13, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, we come in here on Sundays with our stories, our history, our baggage, and we've all got pain. Everyone has a story. I mean, you've got your secrets. And and what this verse is saying is that when you come here, when you come into the presence of God, you can come as you are. But if you call on the name of Jesus, expect to be changed. Jesus changes everything. And he'll make you different and you'll be made new. You know, I, I saw this firsthand just a few months ago. You know, as you hear us talk about every week, we'll always say, hey, the response team is here after the service. If you'd like to talk with somebody about putting your trust in Jesus, we'll be in front afterwards. And we say it every week and we're going to say it every week because there'll come an opportunity where God may want to work in your life and work in your friend's life and we want to be ready. And there was a, a woman that was hanging around after one of our services and uh, a member of our response team and I, we sat down with her and you could just tell that, that she needed to talk. And, and my heart was racing a little bit because it was like, oh, wow, you know, here, here it is. Here's a real life situation, you know. Of, and she shared her story. And she talked about her pain and her hurt and she talked about the work that God has been doing in her life here over the last few months. My heart was pounding, you know, I don't want to mess this up and, you know. What are the right words to say? What are the right verses to read? You know, yes, even me. You know, I go through some of that. And I said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And you could just see this immediate look on her face of, you bet I do. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. And we prayed together, and she invited Jesus Christ to come into her heart. And I just want to be selfish for a moment and just kind of let you into my side of things. Like, personally, that was one of the most awesome experiences I've ever had to just watch this immediate transformation in a person's heart as she realized and recognized, I've been adopted into God's family. Jesus Christ has bridged the gap. I found my way back to Him. And it's kind of set me on fire a little bit. And I pray that I don't forget that moment, and I pray that there are only more to come, and I pray that you get those moments too. And I pray that you catch that passion and you catch that fire as well. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6 says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and then hear this last part, and you will be changed into a different person. And so my prayer is that every single one of us in this room will be changed. You know, not just the staff, not just 10 of us or 20 of us, but every single one of us will be changed in a powerful way. And that when we connect with God, when we meet, when we, when we get together in our connection groups, when we pray, when we make commitments to be more than spectators on Sundays, that when you do this, you open your life up, you invite God to do a great work in you. And let's pray that the Spirit of God takes hold of each and every one of us. So I think just even with these few statements, God's given us a picture of what it could be like and a place where everyone's welcome and needed and changed. And that's our future. And it started a long time ago, but it it begins today. And we've come to this great intersection as a church and, and God's leading. And there's a path for you and I to take and, and we're going to take it. And so here's my question for you today. And this kind of goes back to Mark chapter 8 about the denying yourself and taking up your cross. But my question for you today is, will you go down the path, the road with us? Will you open your own life up to God and say, God, you you can use me? Just like that group in Acts chapter 2, just like that first group that started Genesis, just like this group today. 
Will you go down the path with us? Will you go down the road with us? Because it'll take every bit of you. I mean, it'll take all of you, not just a part of you. It'll take every bit of you. And this is a decision that some of you need to make today. And you need to spend some personal time with God and you need to pray, God, how do you want to use me to further the mission of Genesis Church? And maybe it won't be today. I mean, maybe it's going to be throughout the course of this series that you finally come to a place where you say in your heart, God, God, I, I want to be a part of the mission of this church. I believe this is where you called me. I believe this is the intersection of my life and even this church. Because here's the thing, we don't have church membership, okay? We never have. I don't know what the future holds. Maybe it's down the road one day, a long time from now. I'm not sure we do, that we need it. You make the personal decision whether you want to call this church your home. And we're going to lay out some steps for you over the next few weeks. It'll kind of show you, hey, this is what we're about. And to make Genesis Church your home means, to kind of, it means that you embrace these things. I will say that it's time here this morning for some of you to make the decision to call Genesis your home. And you just need to do it in your heart and you've been wavering on it for a while, or maybe you've come back to Genesis after being away, or you know, you've been church shopping for the last three years, or you're one foot in, one foot out, whatever. whatever. Uh, today, I'm, I'm personally extending an invitation to you. Uh, you do it in your own heart and in your own life. If you want to share it with me, great. You don't have to. Make Genesis Church your home. Say, God, you can use me. I want to be a part of greater things. For your glory, God. It's this personal intersection, and, and in some ways, it's like the light's changing, and I'm the obnoxious guy behind you honking on the horn saying, let's go, get with it, get in the game. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for this church and uh, how awesome it is that we can come into this room and we can celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we can celebrate life change. Uh, thanks for the people of this church uh, that who have... Uh, spent far more time uh, sweating and crying and praying and cheering this church on that I have. But we know, God, that you've been there all along the way, that you have a great purpose for this church and you've got a great future ahead of us. And it's going to be exciting. And I just pray that we'd be bold and courageous enough to take it. Uh, thanks for the people that have come today. Uh, thanks for those who have already made a commitment that this church is theirs. Thanks for those who are, are coming to that place where they realize this is what I want to be a part of. But I also want to pray for those that are here today that, you know, maybe this is, uh, this is something they can't think about right now because they've got a lot of junk that's going on in their life. Uh, God, would you, would you work in such a way in their heart today that they understand the greatest message, and that is that you heal, that you change lives, that you forgive, and that your love is available to us all. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.